If you're an Android user and you need an app to listen to your podcasts on, you should check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. You don't have to take my word for it, though. There are thousands of five-star reviews out there for it. Can't all be bots at 5,000, right? Hopefully. <laughs> take a peek. Uh, and no, uh, and all joking aside, it's a great app. It's smooth and easy. You favorite your favorite shows. They download right to your phone. It's just that simple. So check that out if you need an Android podcast player. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is the Tango Tumbai Cash, the Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. And we were just talking about how it's been a We watched it like two weeks ago. I can't remember which one's which at the moment. Tango is the fancy dressing of Sylvester Stallone. Okay. It's more of a sartorial the, pick than anything The miscast else. Stallone. Yes, but apparently the guy who made this movie come together at all, which is really interesting. Huh. Um, we watched Tango and Cash, which is celebrating its 30th anniversary to kick off the holiday season for reasons unknown to both of us. Uh, mostly that it came out this time of year, I am pretty certain. Yes, December 22nd, 1989. So this was basically a Christmas movie uh, that year. Uh, probably counter-programming, I'm guessing. Uh, that makes sense. Anyway... We watch Tango and Cash, so you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your cocaine. Some guy learned about your cocaine. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott. Cream of the crop. Oh, yeah. Mega powers, yeah. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. Cocaine a big part on the screen of this movie, as well as presumably off the screen. Allegedly. Yes, allegedly. Um, so did you read all the background on this one? I might have two weeks ago, but... It was originally going to be Stallone and Swayze. Swayze dropped out to go to Roadhouse, and then Kurt Russell came in. Um... So I definitely might have written my first few notes with Swayze's name. <laughs> I guess you did look it up on purpose. No, as in I wrote, peak beautiful Swayze hair. Someone stole Swayze's gun. Did I go through this whole movie? Yeah, I wrote Swayze the whole way through. Did I, so I... Did you watch the wrong movie? No, it's Tango and Cash. Did, did you not wear your glasses? I did. I just... I guess I just thought... I was like, oh, that's supposed to be Patrick Swayze. Like, if my brain, like... You know that when your brain like doesn't get all the all the information, so it fills in the gaps for you. Well, I need to revoke your membership in the Kurt Russell fan club. I'm sorry, you have to turn your card in. But I like Sky High. You you convert you spent a whole movie thinking he was somebody else. I can't believe I did that. Um. So we are going to get into the movie, and I apologize if if that was organic. I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. I apologize if you all hate the like history recap stuff at the top of the show, but I do want to talk about this because this movie had kind of a crazy history. And I think, uh, despite that, is very watchable. But we'll get into that part. But the original director was fired after three months uh, by the producer of this movie, who was John Peters, who uh, was famously Barbara Streisand's hairdresser, who then became a producer because of that. Hollywood, baby. Kevin Smith tells a hilarious story that I highly encourage you to look up about working with John Peters on a Superman movie. Oh, that was and that guy? 
Yes, uh, and John Peters has had at the time an obsession with spiders, which is why Wild Wild West has a giant spider in the third act. Um, but I highly recommend you. That's go listen the to only the bad thing about the movie Wild Wild West. I mean, there are others. Anyway, I just love that this guy was his, her hairdresser, and then she made a movie and gave him probably, I don't know the story, but probably like a token producer credit on that movie, and that turned into him having like a huge career as a producer. Hmm. Interesting. She was too busy in her in the mall she built below her house. Yes. Man, what a bunch of weird people. If I, ha- I, w- I, w- if I had that kind of money and space, I would do that too. Why? That's, I, I don't want to get into it. I don't, it's too weird. You keep that under your hat. It's all yours. That's a weird thing to really want to do. It's not that I really want to, um, but if I had the money in the space. I just don't like shopping that much, but that's fine. I get it. It's all her own. Do. She doesn't buy the stuff. It's already her right, stuff. Right, but she wants to be able to mimic the experience of shopping. I guess. Anyway, the reason why the director was fired is because he and Stallone and Peters kept getting in a fight about uh, – John Peters was like, make the movie sillier, goofier, campier. And the director was like, no, this is a serious movie. And then eventually he got fired. Was it a two to one or a one to one to one? So allegedly Stallone wanted the movie to be more serious as well. So I don't know like where the truth lies in all this mess. Okay. Uh, but apparently like Stallone rewrote half the movie halfway through because it wasn't working. And they had like this just constantly was a mess. I can see that. That tracks. Way over budget. Yeah. Allegedly, one of the producers who was also a second unit director, like, took over the directing and directed it for a piece. So this movie, the fact that this movie is watchable, given the all behind the scenes stuff that went on, is frankly insane. Like, we've watched movies with way less turmoil behind the scenes that are way worse than this movie. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, we'll get into the plot now. So we're chasing an 18-wheeler truck. Sly kind of sounds like Clooney in the beginning. Yeah, he does have a little Clooney vibe. He's also like very much trying to tone down his mealy mouth, mushy mouth nonsense, I feel like. Trying real hard. Give gonna give him credit for that. I just like yeah. I it's so weird that he's cause so the 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 dichotomy in this movie is you have the like sharp dressed a little more by by the books, would you say? I think he's the more by the and books. And then guy, you yeah. have the like laid back cool dude cop who plays by his own rules and i frankly don't think stallone fits either of those archetypes i think that's fair i think he definitely because he was so involved behind the scenes in this movie was like trying to do something a little different right i like agree this is a fairly different stallone role i don't think he's bad though like i, just I don't kept think he's the whole good. time being like why is he the like sharp dressed right. like nancy boy He's way too big of a star to be doing something so against type because it's impossible not to know it. But I don't think he does a bad job. I just think it's like a terrible combination of huge, huge, huge megastar and this this role, which just like it's a square peg round hole situation. Yeah. I mean, it'd be similar if, you know, The Rock was in this kind of like this wouldn't be the role for The Rock. See, I think The Rock would nail this. I think he would look awesome in the suits, and I think he would get he would a little more in, in like, yeah. Because didn't he, he do like, the, the? Oh, he hang on. No, he according to the theme park attraction, Fast and the Furious: colon, Don't get in this ride. <laughs> he plays the like sharp dressed cop in those movies, doesn't he? I 
he I don't know if he I've never seen any of them. Like I the the Fast and the Furious trailers are my favorite movies the year they released. Yes. Like the trailer is, but I've never watched the whole movie because it's like I well, how could you top I that? I think I watched the first one. It's like one. two and a half minutes of it's two and a half minutes of deliciously perfect insanity in a trailer. Yeah. Um so I guess maybe he is maybe we just don't know, but he is playing he is the tango of the uh I mean in that show, Ballers, he's wearing, like, very expensive suits and watches. I've, again, never seen the show, only trailers, but he's dressed very I didn't nicely. I he was in a TV show. Yeah, he produces and created a TV show where he's, like, an, an agent for athletes. Huh. It's like Entourage, but sports. That's ca- okay. There's a, there's a market for that. Uh, anyway, I think he would pull it off. That's the difference between him and Stallone. Because, uh, but you frankly, said you thought Stallone did it well. Yes, but I'm saying... I don't think The Rock would have the square peg round hole problem that this movie has. We're You're like, right. I think, I think Stallone is a square peg that actually fits through the round hole. So like, if you're it's doing a little that game smaller than the kid, round hole, yeah, yeah, you know that game that little kids have, like to teach them shapes and like mm-hmm. and like geometric patterns for babies. They like put the things. So it's like you put the wrong piece in the wrong spot, but it managed to fit through anyway. Yeah, which is okay. Like, I can see that. I, I'll I'll take I'll so yes. Where, whereas, like, you could have a situation where it's just like you're just trying to jam a, a large object into a small place, which I think Stallone has done in his career, and you're just like, what are we doing here? Much like, you know, I was, Arnold, I was Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger in Junior. <laughs> yes, exactly. Where it's like, I think that movie is a delight because it's insane, but I think it is very much like uh, we have a two by four and a keyhole, and we're gonna get this through somehow or another. We're gonna make it work. Yeah. So there's just like a pile of sawdust on the floor and everyone in the audience is like, I guess. Technically, technically, some of it went through. You're right. But like, (laughs) what about all the rest of it? Okay, fine. Right, right, right. So we're chasing this 18 wheeler on the highway. We're in a convertible. There's a helicopter overhead and Stallone is talking to this helicopter and and he's like, they're like, let us help. We got this. And he's like, no, I got it. You go. You guys back off. How was this helicopter going to pull a vehicle over, like land on the road ahead of it? It seems so dangerous. Arnold pulled Jamie Lee out of a limousine in a helicopter. So like, yes, I know. But th- th- that's not like, hey, pull over so I can arrest you. Like, I believe the helicopter could conceivably land on the 18-wheeler. Yeah, I guess. Or maybe they would, like, try to, like, tip the pro- the propellers and, like, clip clip something. <laughs> That's so dangerous. So is this a whole fucking movie. Well, yeah, but that's, like, silly, what you're describing. Oh, I'm sorry. The highbrow world of Dango and Cash. Hey. Put some respect on that name. Thank you very much. Um, so he's a he's big like, city no, boy. Th- yeah, who thinks he's Rambo? Two quotes. Yes. Yep. Two quotes. Oh, for sure. Um, so he he pulls this car over, and by pulls this car over, I mean like races ahead of it, pulls in front of it. They stop, which is a miracle, frankly. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm surprised two of the he guys do the Dark Knight flip. Yes, flip thing. Well, if they could have figured out how to do that, that was like a really difficult. Well, no, I mean, like sure it, the re- the logistics of a of an eighteen wheeler slamming on its brakes like that would have just been like whoop. Oh yeah, uh, but Stallone just starts shooting through the front windshield, and then eventually, when they do stop, the guys are ejected out the front window, which is a crazy cool stunt. But also, they would be turned into just strips of. Meat. <laughs> it would have been like that scene in BMX Bandits where the kids. 
arms got yes. stuck on the on the hood of the thing and their yes, bodies kept going. Exactly. Yes, that's what would happen. There would just be piles of goo on yeah. the ground. My headcanon for why they said he th- why they put the line he thinks he's Rambo is Stallone was like, Hey, if I'm wearing a nice suit, maybe they won't recognize me. We should probably let them know. <laughs> it's A, it's me, your buddy. Sliced alone. Rambo. <laughs> I also I also love that he's like Thanks for dropping in when they eject through the windshield. He saw too many Schwarzenegger movies, and he was he was like, hey, that Arnold guy's yep. taking over. I gotta get that yeah, in. Not your lane, sir. Not your lane. Frankly, it's a miracle that it became Arnold's lane. Right. Exactly. He owned it somehow. Um, Where did the whole, but- like, cops taste cocaine thing come from? Okay, I wanted to talk about that, but let me let me... <laughs> I'm sorry to, I, I I'm sorry to flat tire you on no, that one. But. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. Oh, I was, I was like, I was like, two sentences behind where you're getting to it. It's fine. They, they, the cops are like, "There's no cocaine, you, you reckless idiot!" And then Stallone shoots one of the gas tanks that he asked if they checked, and everyone like thinks they're gonna die, and instead it's just full of cocaine, uh, which they do the like dip the finger and lick it thing. Uh, my thing is always. Even if that was a valid way to test for it, which it can't be, no. Wouldn't you also be a little bit on cocaine? You like, would not yeah, a lot. You'd, just be, you'd be on cocaine. <laughs> like, wouldn't your tongue be numb or whatever? Again, I don't do snorting drugs, so I don't know. But like, I assume that putting it on your tongue t-shirt. has a reaction. A, a, it's a shirt. It has the sign for snorting, snorting drugs, drugs on a craft service <laughs> table. <laughs> It's like M&M's, Skittles, snorting drugs. Yeah, exactly. It had a little placard like you would find yeah, like a Yeah. Um with a backwards R. Yeah, backwards R apostrophe. Maybe there's a or backwards N, sorry, not R. Maybe it could be backwards R. Maybe maybe there's a frog fishing with a with a with a straw hat next to it. <laughs> Everybody's got a snorting drug. But I can't imagine if you're out there and even vaguely connected to law enforcement, we would love to hear. Like I've always wondered this. It's a thing in movies and TV still where people they're just like, oh, the, the, the oh, that's definitely this drug. And it's just like one. How is that what they teach you at the academy? They just get like a pile of various drugs out. And they're like, now everybody I missed that scene in police academy. <laughs> right, it's like a Costco like sample. They come around with little paper cups exactly. with like a sprinkle of cocaine. Maybe that's in police academy one. Like we'll have to go back oh, and maybe. see. And they're like, here's how you decide what drugs are drugs. And then there's just like guys on LSD that are like spaced that, out. Honestly, that sounds like a great scene in the, that should be in the original Police Academy. Of like, this is the room where we yeah. show you how to test for drugs. And it's just like yes. people out of their mind. Yeah, it would be really great. Uh, <laughs> it's just like people rolling around on the floor. Like, my hair is purple. <laughs> they're whatever. rolling there out of their mind. They're on speed. Yes. Yeah. That one thinks he's writing an equation, but it's just scribbles. Don't tell him. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a perfect scene in a police academy movie. Yeah. It may be. We haven't gotten there, but it may be. Tweet at us if it is. Um, this is where I wrote peak beautiful Swayze hair. Yes. <laughs> so peak beautiful Kurt Russell hair. But you missed the, like, my favorite part is where they introduced the bad guys, and it's a limo with some real heavy hitters. You got Jack Pal- Palance. Um James Hong, who has been in, I think, more movies than pretty much anybody alive. Probably. Other than um, friend of the podcast, Ed Bagley Jr. Yes. Uh, I think he beats Ed Bagley. I think he might double up Ed Bagley. Everything Bagley seasoning? I think it might be 500 movies or credits for James Hong. Wow. 
He also started an all Asian American uh, theater troupe, which is still running today. Which oh, that's is really super cool. cool. I wonder if they there's a cool helped with. Um, there was a great musical about like Japanese internment camps in World War Two. Yeah. Uh, that was on Broadway in the past like five years or so. I, remember, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called like Patriotic or something. I wonder if they were involved in that. Oh, I mean, it would make sense. I don't know that. Um, and then the last guy is less known. He it's his name. The ac- actor's name is Mark Alamo, and he's Lopez. But it's like you have the um, the Latinx gang, the Asian gang, and the the overall crime lord. Jack Palance, of course, is the overall crime lord, uh, and he's like. Um, they have this like conversation in the limo where Pounds is like, "We gotta get rid of Tango and Cash." Meet me at my meet me at my high rise apartment, and we'll hatch this out. I'm proud of you. What would I? I obviously again. I watched this movie like City two Slickers. weeks ago. What else would I know him from? Jack Palance, yeah. City Slickers, and also Batman. Batman, thank you. The I, I was like, Batman. What yeah. would I know him from? <laughs> You don't, you've never saw, Bob watched City Slickers like once every four days. <laughs> I might have watched it, but I mean, I retained any of it. It's like Splash. Allegedly, I love Splash. <laughs> He's like the old bad cowboy in City Slickers. She's like, Billy Crystal, why are you riding that horse? Who's he, who is he in the first Batman? He is the Joker's boss. Oh, 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 oh okay. Gotcha. <laughs> What's up with your face? So this is peak, beautiful Kurt Russell hair. Yes. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to. It is a Swayze do. He and Swayze and Roadhouse had basically the same hair. It was literally one of those like the casting director was like he showed up and they're like, oh yeah, no, that was it. Okay, cool. Like the clothes already fit you. Everything's good. No, they someone went to a grandma went to the store when their grandchild asked for Brave for Christmas and they saw Courageous Princess on Blu-ray and they were like, that seems right. right. She's except got in red this hair. instance, except in this instance. It's more like they wanted cars and grandma bought car. No, that's a bad analogy. It's more like cars and planes. No, 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 no. It's like the kid was like, I want Terminator. And they got him Terminator 2 because both of these things are great. Okay. Kurt Russell's great. Patrick Swayze's great. Like, it's not what the kid wanted, but it's not a downgrade. It's just both great. Okay, that's fair. I'll give you that. (laughs) This is not a, this is not a asylum knockoff. This is an equally great guy. That's fair. You're right. So wait, we might have to have a new game called Is It Swayze or Is It Russell just for me to play. Just just based, like, we have to get their faces blacked out and it's just the hair? No, you just say, like, Snake from Escape from New York. Is it Russell <laughs> or is it? get those right. That one's Russell, right? Okay. Yes. See, you, you're fine. But he comes home with his great hair and he's, uh, like, it's a, a scene that they do pretty much straight up in Lethal Weapon and several other cop movies. I but need to rewatch he's Lethal like, Weapon. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time either, but eventually we can do it on the show. I think several is of it, them are eligible for the show. Really? Yeah. Wait, no, I'm sorry. I'm not Lethal. I meant the other one. The uh, Loaded, Loaded weapon. weapon. The parody of the yes. parody. Yes. Because I think um, I reference, I think about and reference that scene between Tim Curry and Whoopi Goldberg more than I should, and not yeah. one person ever gets it. No, well, it's a pretty weird, obscure movie. I know. It was just in the era when I bought DVDs like a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, and so I, I got some of that spill off, runoff. Right. It's like, that's a movie, that's a movie, that's a movie. I recognize that in the face and that name. Uh-huh. Bye, bye, bye. Um, so he <laughs> he gets home, he's searching through his apartment, 
he gets shot by a, gu- a guy who's hiding in his closet. And then after he falls down from getting shot, he's revealed that he has a gun literally built into the heel of his cowboy boot. It's incredible. I do love that. I love that nonsense. <laughs> Which is even crazier because Swayze fights a guy with a toe knife in Roadhouse. So it was like two movies with boot-related weaponry that Swayze could have been a part of. Wait a minute. There's a a boot knife in Wild Wild West. That just came back to me. Oh, maybe this is another secret John Peters Peters thing. thing? Boot weapons. He's into feet. Into feet and into spiders. He loves a good boot weapon. It's, It's very Batman. Like... It lives in the same high camp world of late 80s, early 90s superheroes where things were still fun. Right. That's the thing about this movie is it's extremely, extremely fun. Like it's over the top and ridiculous, but it's kind of aware, but it's not like it is a spoof movie without the tone of a spoof almost because it's so over the top. But the action is legitimately great. I feel like both of these guys give a shit in their performances Mm -hmm. and it, it carries through. I, I mean, I'm always here for Kurt Russell, and I even watched that dumb Santa movie on Netflix. Oh, wait. Did, did you watch it? Because I thought most of us fell asleep. No, I didn't fall asleep, and then you all wanted to rewatch it, and I was like, not again, and I left. But I called the ending, that secret ending. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. With Goldie Hawn. Yes, I know. You said- It's a bad movie. You said, I'm sure you did. I did. You were there when I said, I bet Goldie Hawn's there at the end. Yes. And then she was. Yeah, she was. Uh, the movie is bad, but I watched it anyway. So I was like, oh, it's Kurt Russell, Santa Claus. This is weird. Let me let me see what that tastes like. And I was like, hmm, like black jelly beans. No, thank you. But they're not licorice. They're just black jelly right. beans. So so Kurt Russell, after getting shot and shooting at this guy with his boot gun, chases him through a garage. And there's this just in, like this sequence is so uh, illustrative of what this movie is and that the guy is this like souped up pickup truck and he's like squealing through this garage kurt russell hijacks someone's car basically and it does that whole another like, tr- also a thing yes that, again that should be a scene of, in police academy of, our li- of listening is that a thing because i think right. we also asked is it a thing to say this is a prank we're not coming to help you i think we've asked that right. on the show before right yeah i don't know I, I have to imagine that, no, they can't just come up to you and take your car and commandeer it. But he does it anyway. And then he manages to knock this guy's car, like, over the edge of the garage into the next tier down where the car becomes disabled. Yeah. And then he he reaches he, – Kurt Russell is fine. He gets down there and then, like, beats him up some through the window. It's crazy. It's awesome. Um, I wrote Naked Couple is my next note and i'm not sure what that's referencing oh there's there's uh, as in this car chase there's a random scene where like a naked couple is having sex in the back of a car for no reason. thank you okay yes and they also have an awesome move where the truck the pickup truck is a little bit high and it smashes in and blows up all these light tubes Ooh, i do like i do i do like because again it's just like i said in splash everything here's real yes it's very nice it, it is. It's really great. It's it's all practical effects. It's real light tubes. It's real fire. It's real guns. Well, presumably not real guns, but like all this stuff is practical. Yeah. Uh, it just feels different. Like I know, like there's legitimately fun car chases and sequences. The one in Black Panther is really dope, but there's just the this like in, art. Um, the Black Panther's first end. Uh, is it Winter Soldier? Yeah. See, that one gets to the, the problem I have is the one where there's lots of car crashes always feel very fake to me. There's just something about it that they like just doesn't sit right, like doesn't nail it right for me personally. I know most people don't care, but like 
watching a car get flipped over and mangled is something that is very difficult to do right. Yeah. Although I guess for me, what I liked about the that car scene with Black Panther and Winter Soldier is the sound design because you don't hear Black Panther. Everyone else lands and it's like, and like you hear the clang clang. Yeah. And then he's just like, and I liked that. Yeah. I. Uh, uh, then we meet. The soundtrack is full of synth, by the way. Oh, so it sounds like a like, video game. It yes, sounds like yeah. you're playing James Bond Jr. on SNES. Right. Yes. Very. It's not quite as like MIDI file chip tuny, but it is very, very synthy. Uh, then we meet that one desperate housewife. Terry Hatcher. Um, who I remember from a Mad TV sketch was apparently the worst one of the bunch to work with. Like she was a monster. I have no idea. I have nothing other than a sketch about that. Um, but I remember there was a Mad TV sketch about Desperate Housewives. That show, those shows overlapped. That feels so yeah, often. I know, no, it did. They did. Um, okay. Well, and so they they could have established their relationship better because unless they were trying to like trick you out, because I couldn't tell if it. At first, I was like, oh, is that his daughter? Because that's weirdly yeah, cast. She's. The, yeah, their ages are weird, and also they do not seem to have a sibling relationship. But also, they might as well have called this character in the script the woman because she doesn't have anything to do in this movie. She really doesn't. It is literally only here so she can be a damsel in distress later. They give you just enough scenes with her so that when she gets kidnapped later, you're like, "Oh yeah, I care about this person." Mm-hmm. Uh, some. Okay, I'm gonna have to change all my. I like mentally change all my Swayze. Did you really write Swayze I did the whole every way single time? And I also referenced a late like a. I was like, oh, this scene is a prelude to Swayze doing this other movie in a couple years. I genuinely thought it was Swayze. Apparently, that's insane to me. That is literally insane to me. I mean, I'm sure that was the intention. No, he doesn't look that much like Swayze, other than the hair. This is crazy that you did that the whole time. Even I know, my last that's, page of that's notes. Ju- like, I'm being loud and, like, doing funny voice right now, but inside I'm genuinely concerned for your health. Maybe you have face blindness now. I That would suck for, like, this at this point in my life. Like, oh, you have facial blindness. <laughs> well, it would explain this particular Maybe it's because I happened. work at a doctor's office now and I just see hundreds of patients every day. Maybe. I did have one patient who, like came in and I was like, oh, what's your last name? And she was like, I was here three days ago. You don't remember me? And I was like, no, I'm sorry. You dealt with six people on that d- between, on that day. I dealt with 150. Please stop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it turns out Kurt Russell had a bulletproof vest on, but he's really mad that the guy's bullet ruined his $9 shirt, which I can appreciate. <clears throat> so was it like 18 bucks? Do we double 19? Pr- uh, probably about right. Um, and someone was messing with Kurt Russell's gun. Right. And he's like, this is the, something's going on with this gun. Well, who did it? And you know, it's a throwaway line, but it's not. Remember this thing. Uh, someone calls Stallone a Beverly Hills WAP. And I was like, I didn't think that word was still used at all. Yeah. That feels like a 1950s, uh, insult. Uh, and then we get a little bit of crazy Kurt Russell where he tackles the guy who, uh, shot him and pins him to the floor with a chair mm-hmm. and is like doing air quotes language lessons. It's very just, Danny uh, Reagan and blue bloods. Sure. It's also very much rigs in lethal weapon. Yeah. Um, so he gets, cause it was a, an Asian man who shot at him. And so he, like, got him to confess something about, like, there's going to be a drug trade or, or whatever at this date and time. Yeah. 
And then we get a scene with Kurt or uh, Sly and his boss, who's like, "You dress like a banker. You make all this money on the stock market. Why do you do this?" And he's like, "I need the action," which is just like a sociopath thing to say. But like, if that's really Sly's character, like that's the movie. Like, I want to see Batman IRL because that's what that is. Sure. Like. I'm, I mean, that's kind of what this movie is. But, like, I didn't know anything about, like, the stocks are not, like, his life as a businessman is not explored at all. Well, he makes he makes enough that his sister doesn't have to pay for an apartment. Because I would, like, that's what, I want to see Batman without the stupid pearl scene. Right. Uh, the the boss also makes, like, one of those terrible marriage jokes. I don't remember it specifically, but it's very prevalent. Something you find on a like, t-shirt in Florida. Yeah, and it just, man, that sucks. Like, why do so many people of this era hate their families and wives? Like, why do, Why are you married to someone if you hate them? It's so stupid. Well, remember that John Mulaney bit where his wife was like, you can make fun of me as long as yeah. you don't say I'm a bitch and that you hate me. And he was like, yeah, why would I do that? Yeah, it's so, but it's like, we see it all. It's like, it really infected old sitcoms, especially with that. She's like, oh, my nagging bitch of a wife. And it's like. Hey, bud. <laughs> hey, you're bud. a fat slob. Also, why are you married to someone you hate so much? Like, why? Why? Maybe that's why it, um, uh, Seinfeld and Friends prevailed because there was no like marriage <laughs> thing to focus yeah, on, and yeah. it, they can kind of go yeah. timeless. Yeah. Well. Well. Well, it's so it's like um, I just rewatched Timeless in one kind of way, I guess. I just re- it's like I just rewatched Edward Scissorhands, and it is both incredibly dated and timeless all at the same time. Yeah, I mean it's because they said it's like 1990s as done by 1950. Yeah, it's yeah, it's peak Tim Burton. Like this is the era I grew up with in the suburbs, and I hated it, and everyone was a conformist, and I was a unique and original, and then like all downhill from there. Yeah, I think it's I don't think it's I think it's the last good tim burton for a while because i think after that it's like ed wood and sleepy hollow he had the helena bottom carter phase later in there yeah oh planet of the apes until big fish which was sort of his breakaway success of like hey i'm not just for hot topic anymore right um so (laughs) we go but thank you for visiting our dissection of tim burton's career again yeah. Um, so we go to the, um, drug lord mob boss guy. Jack Palance. He has a box of mice. Just yes. like an ornate, it's not just, it's not like a cardboard box. It's like feeder mice with holes. It's like an ornate, like jade yes. box that he like. Yes. It's, it's kind of like the box that they store the potion of life in, in Death Becomes Her. It's just like, whew, he like pulls the ribbon and it opens up to reveal his mice. Right. And then he's got a mouse in each hand and he's like, See, these mice are tango and cash, and we gotta get them to the cheese. And he drops them in his maze, and then he gives this, like, really long analogy for, like, their plan well, he, with these mice. You, you glossed over the fact that he, he has a desk that is just a top-down clear acrylic view of a mouse yes. maze. Yes. So you have a mouse box and a mouse maze specifically yes. for view, like... Is this your only metaphor? I got it. I got it so I could make this specific point. Like he was on Extreme Makeover Home Edition and made the mistake of telling the producers that he kind of liked mice and they were like, yes. "Okay, cool, we got it. That's yeah, your whole yeah. personality." We we rode a horse once. We're going to glue all of your walls to floor to ceiling, hay, all over them. It's just hay, hay, hay. 
he does uh, cocaine and weapons dealing. I guess like if you're gonna do yes. one, do like do it all. Why not? Hey, you got you got to you got to diversify. Be the this is be the target the of 80s. the black market. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Over here, we've got Chinese imported baby formula. Very little testing done. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what other black market products. What stuff gets stolen? Over here is our laundry detergent. Top products stolen at stores nationwide. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Because I know, well, so I noticed once that I, w- I was in like a CVS and um, that all the name brand formula was like, um, well, it's like slips of paper mm-hmm. you take to the front. But just below it was the store brand formula. Just out in a, like, no, nothing. And I was like, is that really, that's the distinction? Like people won't just steal the the name, the generic? I guess not. I thought that was so interesting. I was like, if we're stealing yeah, formula, yeah. just just steal what's there. I think people used to do formula and laundry detergent in the steal the product, then return it without a receipt scam a lot. The store brand formula maybe was like a lower price point oh, or something like okay. that. Okay. Um anyway. Uh so he's like, we gotta we gotta he does this very ridiculous metaphor with the mice, and uh he's like, we gotta get him to this warehouse. So like smash cut to Tango and Cash separately putting a siege on this warehouse by themselves because they're both one man armies. Mm-hmm. Did we see Stallone find out about this thing, or did it, it was just him following a guy? We don't see either of them find out about yeah, this Yeah, we do. Thing. They're just there. No, because Ta- Cash found out because he was oh, sitting on Oh, that's right, the in the interrogation. Yeah, you're right, you're right. So they show up at this warehouse where there's a dead FBI agent and money, was it? Money and drugs. And they also do the, the famous uh, scene uh, that's in like every cop buddy movie these days where it's like they're both tracking somebody and it turns out they were tracking each other and they like stick guns in each other's faces and they're like, oh, it's you. Mm-hmm. So the FBI swarm in at this moment, exact moment. Um, it, it just calls. There's a lot of questions I have about the logistics of this movie because are the FBI like at some points it seemed like the FBI was in on it. And right. at other points, it did not seem like that. So, like... I don't think they are. Because, like, how long was this dude, FBI agent, just dead before they swarmed in? I think very quickly. Like, I think he was killed, like, maybe less than an hour beforehand. Okay. And he's wearing a wire, too. And so they get arrested, and it's a, a lovely montage of newspaper headlines of, like, Tango and Crash, head cops, yeah. you know, top cops, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it's this hilarious finale episode of Seinfeld Parade of Witnesses. Yeah. It's really very much the exact same thing as that. That's probably where they got it from. Uh, maybe. Well, I mean, Seinfeld from here, obviously. Yes. No, I know. I wrote, uh, someone wrote, someone said the word square crow. I don't remember if that was part of this court proceedings. I don't know if it's there or elsewhere in the montage. Also, the like higher up guy has one of the worst toupees I've ever seen in a movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's, or wait, it was waiting for it to like blow back into someone's lap. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they're, they play the tape from the dead FBI agents like wire. And it shows Tango and cash being like, Hey, we got the money. And like a full conversation about like, we have the money. Like I was like, wait, right. You can't just drop this in there without explaining I was like, wait, what? Oh, see, I I got this instantly. I was like, oh, this tape is fake. Yeah, but like to me, it's it didn't have any like clipping of it. 
Well, that's the point is it's not supposed to. Like, it's supposed to be perfect. I know, but I wanted, like, a, in movie world, like, I needed a little something. I thought, I mean, I'm sorry to just, like, just, I just totally disagree. Like, I think any, you're a smart guy. Like, you you saw them break in there and the guy was already dead and then they had this whole conversation on tape. So, obviously, it was fake. I just, I thought it was weird that there was no, like, I was expecting a yeah. pre-montage of, like, making fake evidence. And like doing stuff to set this up. Cash swears and loses his mind on the judge and everybody cheers. And I was like, huh, that's an interesting, interesting thing to happen. Yeah. They also like, it's mostly a montage with like very little dialogue, but every so often they cut to like either Tango or Cash making a snarky comment to the other one. Mm -hmm. Because they're both sitting next to each other. So they lean over and be like, hey, we should break his legs when we get out of here. And it's so funny to me. It's like these guys really don't know each other that well, but they bond over being put on a sham trial together. And like, oh, we both are snarky snarkerson. So like we must. Hey, are we becoming best friends? Is like basically what's happening here. You would have joined the monster club. <laughs> That's basically what it is. So, yeah, uh, I Sly gives like a very like measured speech of like the wheels of justice and da 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 da. He basically is uh Greg Pe- Gregory Peck in To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes, exactly, exactly. Like the measure of a man is and all that stuff. And then Kurt Russell gets up there and he's like, "Screw this guy, screw that guy, screw the Jerry Foreman, screw you, Judge." And everyone's like, "Who, who, who, who?" He points it's out the one so lady weird. juror and he's like, "I'd yeah. bone you." Yeah, <laughs> you're cool, and I'm out. Uh, so they get served 18 months in jail. Two cops which murder counts. an FBI agent and they get 18 mm-hmm. months in prison. Which feels exactly correct. At minimum security. Uh, that was a, yeah, a, yes. uh, an important yes. feature. Well, they, they, they to be fair, they did take a plea deal. That's right. I forgot. Uh, that was like they pled to a lesser charge, got 18 months. Um, and Jack Palance is like studying his mice table like, my plan has come together. I kind of want more uh, movies where the... More Jack Palance impressions? Okay. I mean, that, yes. Andrew, your glasses look great today. Oh, I'm sorry. Were you uh, going to say something different? Well, so, like, this kind of thing where the they're, the uh, the bad guy has sort of an effigy of the good guy to track. Yeah, it's very weird. I love... Well, cause, so, it happens in a couple of movies that I... Like, it happens in Phantom of the Opera. Like, there's an elaborate dollhouse version of the theater that the phantom builds and then sets on fire with a candle in that in that movie oh really yeah it's a terrible movie but like that's fun about it um what's her name mini driver's trying her best god bless her and then i know that like usually it's like a like a, a voodoo doll kind of situation but this is just hey i have these two mice represent the two men and this they're right like, i want more of that i want <laughs> i want a tracker I want the I want the I want the Midnight Madness map tracker. <laughs> uh, so they, in the course of going to the minimum security jail, oops, are at the bad jail, and it's like a true nightmare. They're basically in like Blackgate Prison or Arkham Asylum, both from Batman. Yeah, it's pretty much it's pretty much a cartoon prison. There's like fires burning everywhere. People are jeering. <laughs> yeah, like it's. It's insane. Does it no make one any work sense. here? 
Right. Is there? It's like it's like seriously more akin to the New York in Escape from New York. Yeah. Where it's just like we walled off the whole island and now it's a penal colony and we just drop food in every other day. I forgot just... that was the main crux of Escape from New York. Yeah, yeah. Because that's Arkham City. I never. I didn't. I forgot that that yeah. was the thing. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, Clint Howard shows up two weeks in a row, baby. And I felt that he should have played the weapons expert, but this was a good role too. I said um, uh, Rick Moranis should have played the sound expert. Okay, no, 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 the weapons expert. Oh, the inventor guy. Yeah, I yeah, said yeah. John Candy. That's that's Clint. That's Clint Howard all the way. Um, he's Slinky, a uh, prisoner who you might uh, guess uh, likes to play with a Slinky. Mm-hmm. Uh, great visual gag. Yeah, it is. Later when he gets all wrapped up in it, especially. Uh, but we should talk about the most famous scene in this movie, because it's even in the trailer. They take a shower together. They have some nice butts. It's been a while since we've... <laughs> so much... I feel like it's been a while since we've seen some dude butt. Yeah, a lot of a lot of dude butt. Uh, and then just two buddies casually showering down together and having a full conversation naked, which... I think is as unnecessary here as it is in every movie where women have to do it. But I'm like, you know what? Good for good for equality of the sexes. I think. Yeah. Um, I was like, except for where it gets like weirdly homophobic. Although I will say, Kurt Russell's character is like basically giving him the finger for even being homophobic. Yeah, Kurt Russell's like, you should be so lucky, and like wags his dick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, if I not only I, he's like, I'm so straight that I would not, regardless of whether or not I'm straight, I wouldn't have sex with you. So keep dreaming, pal. Calm down. Yeah, I'm trying to think when we had a, a boy butt last. I don't know. It's been quite a while. And also, uh, the other the other thing that you would expect here and happens is that just like rat a tat tat jokes about each other's dicks being small. Oh my god! Which like. I don't know if they are or not because we can't see them, but presumably they well, can see each we other. We know what Sylvester Stallone's dick looks like. We do. He was in that porno. He no, he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't naked in it. I. He was in a porn, but he wasn't in a porn. No, he definitely. If you if like that, have you seen yes. it? Yes. Oh, because okay. it was on Big I Mouth. He was just. I thought he was just in a porno. No, movie. he like does the dirty in the porno. It's called The Italian Stallion. No. And you can see his penis. I'm Googling this because I, I think you're. It's called The Party at Kitty and Studs. Then maybe he it's not worked from on that, it. but I searched. In, in Big Mouth, they do make it that he actually did do the porn, but the, the one with Stallone is called The Party at Kitty and Studs, and it says that he worked on it for two days and was paid $200 for it. Oh, I guess he is there. Okay, maybe he's naked in it. Yeah. It says he worked for two days. They filmed a whole movie in two days. Well, not a lot of dialogue. Oh, it was, sorry, it was edited and re-released as Italian Stallion to, co- to capitalize on his fame. I apologize. Mm-hmm. That's what I was like. It's, I thought it was called the Italian Stallion, but. Interesting. Yeah, there's no hardcore nudity or pornography in it. I, sw- I Google, I, I, then how did his dick come up when I searched for it? I don't know. He, he posed in Playgirl. Maybe that, I, either way, I thought, anyway, I thought I had seen it on the internet somewhere. Yeah, these are definitely naked pictures of Stallone, but I don't think he has sex in the movie, maybe. Okay. I don't know. Anyway, I'm just saying, it's weird for, like, the two guys making jokes about each other's dicks is not that weird in the context of anything, but when they're literally looking at one another's dicks, it's funny to me. They're like, hey, nice small dick, and he's like, hey, yours is barely, I gotta get a microscope out to see yours, and it's like, do you? <laughs> you can, you can. It's right there. You could touch it if you reached. 
Um, but that would be gay. Um, uh, and then it's at one point somebody threatens to put some brown sugar in the other one's ass, which is a confusing metaphor. Yeah, I was me. like, I don't that one's I don't get that one at all. Uh, but here is where uh, we get character actor extraordinaire Robert Zadar, who had cherubism. Uh, so he has a very pronounced jaw. That's that makes this is kind of his like the reason why anyone would recognize him instantly. He has a very large jaw. The hang on, did I write his name down? The big dude. Yeah. Uh, Conan? Uh, he might be called Conan in the movie. I'm not sure. I'll check that. Um, I was looking through my notes to find a name. I think it was... No, he's Face. Oh. Who's Conan? There's an Agent Nolan, and there's Owen, the weapons builder guy. I don't see a Conan. <laughs> I don't know where I got that name from, then, unless it's just because he looks like Conan. Oh, because they called him Conan. He does have a Conan the Barbarian. They call him Conan the Barbarian, like, derisively. Yeah, that... I buy that. Um... So they round up Tango and Cash and bring them to the, I don't know, the laundry place? Yep. It's like a it's like a steam factory that's for some reason in this uh, prison. Yeah. Uh, the crime boss actually shows up. Yes. Jack Palance is there in the shadows. I was like... Although, okay. you never see his face, so I genuinely wondered if he was there or not there. Oh, on set? Like, literally? Yes. Yeah. Because they do it all with voice. It's like, did he just like take a couple days off? And they were like, I don't know, get a stand in there. Yeah. And then some poor PA was like, Tango and Cash are about to take a dip. Yeah, they- We're only doing Jack Palance movies from now on. This is now a Jack Palance podcast. I have one impression. It's, it's the only one we're ever doing. Fair enough. Yeah, they like string them up on hooks and raise them above some water baths. They do the Roger Rabbit thing. The dip? Yes. But with electricity they, water? Yes, it's literally, there's the two of them strung up together like Roger and Jessica over the thing. And well, then they're separate. There's like, right, but they're strung up over the thing. And then it's like the scene at the end where, uh, gosh, what's his name? Bob Hoskins has to like get the squirt gun thing and, you know, save the day. Yeah. And so they're, they're trying to... Because they were trying to get information out of them. They were just trying to, like, hurt them, I guess, right? Well, they were going to kill them. But they had to make it look like an accident. Gotcha. So they were just, like, having so I, some fun beforehand, I guess? Oh, I assumedly if they had, like, an electrocuted death, they could just, like, put them in their cells afterward and they'd be dead. Also, we glossed over it, but there's a pretty great sequence where they're, like, running from these guys throughout the jail or the prison. And one guy gets, like, a shoulder or a forearm to the chest and goes, like, ass over tea kettle over the railing. Yeah. It is an awesome looking stuff. It's nice. Also, even the fight is just – there's like a fight before they all these guys swarm them and beat them up. And it's just so nice to watch a fight where you can understand all of what's happening. Yeah. Like the camera the sits in one place. Great. Yes, yes. The fight choreo is excellent too. But beyond that, it's just like the camera just like sits still and you watch the fight. It's not zipping and zapping and zooping all over the place. Yeah, I hate shaky cams so much. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, man, remember when you could watch a fight in a movie and understand explicitly what was happening? Mm-hmm. So this is after they get they have the big fight. Then they're about to like dip them, and they're like slightly electrocuting them. Uh, and then the guards arrive to save the day. It's a Deus Ex Gardena. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could. They could have easily kicked the guy holding the wire. Mm-hmm. Just gonna say that Feels out loud. Very yeah, yeah. Um, someone gets called a limey immigrant jerk off. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the security guards finally come in, and then we find out that Cash knows the assistant warden. Right. And he's like, look. They're like old old cop buddies somehow. Yeah. And he's like, look, you're not supposed to be here 
this is, you know, clearly someone's up to something. I'm going to get you guys out of here. And Tango's like, no, I don't trust him. Right. Which is probably the right attitude to have. But then he counters that with the funniest line reading of, I do miss my wardrobe. It's, it's, there's like so much sadness in that line. It's amazing. Yeah. Again, I, I appreciate that he wanted to step out of his box. I just was like, I don't know that this is the, I don't buy it, I guess. Is what I was my was my qualm. Yeah, I mean that's fine. I just it's so funny. And I, well, I so I we, would have trusted the assistant warden personally. Oh oh, I don't trust anybody in a in a movie like this. You got yeah, assume you're it's all bullshit. Although the assistant warden is found dead later, so maybe he was he not. Did. I don't. I think he. I genuinely think he was on their side. Yeah, but we fast forward and like I wrote, Kurt is going to escape that night. So Kurt Russell's like trying to escape and he like scrambles out of his cell and then Robert Zadar is chasing him and there's also a bunch of dogs and it's a big trap from the bad guys who are like, you know, trying to get him. Yeah, he like makes it through like the the fan is turned off, like everything is in place the way the assistant warden said. Yeah. And when he gets to the very end, the, de- the assistant warden's dead body tumbles down the chute. Which is honestly a nice piece of imagery if you're the bad guy and trying to scare somebody. Oh my God, yeah. Them, you're like, here's your dead friend. Um, but then we get to like a big fight on the roof of this prison that there's just like electrical wires everywhere for some reason. It's very much in line with the Friday the 13th franchise. Yes. Uh, and Kurt Russell's like, if you only touch one, everything is fine. And Sullivan is like, is that, is that right? And he's like, I don't know, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's, I, I often, <laughs> Which have, I really love. I often have those moments where I'm like, I don't know enough about science to prove you wrong, but that right. sounds questionable. So he like runs and jumps and grabs the wire and then he like has his belt in his teeth and he grabs the belt and does the thing where you like hold it over the wire and slide he on it. He zip lines. Uh, yeah, basically. Uh, meanwhile, Robert Zadar arrives and he and Stallone have a fight and then Stallone ends up kicking him into a spot where he has to touch both wires to like stay on his feet and he gets electrocuted. So it the looks like great. Oh, it's so great. But also, I love that the movie, like, took the time to prove that, like, if you touch one wire, you're fine. If you touch two wires, uh, now you're dead. Yeah, I like that. Um, we get more mouse stuff with Jack Palance. Like, he's got a real mouse fetish. Yeah, yeah. It's also, like, a weird split video chat the bad guys are having, which feels odd. Yeah, well, it's that, um, I guess in the 80s into the early 90s, when they would do, like, a wall of TVs and each like right. it would be broken up like the picture would be broken up across all the TVs right right and I was like just get a big TV get a projector yeah well they didn't make that then I mean it's 89 they had bigger TVs than that yeah but not you know not like now no not like now the kooky police inventor we meet him now I said it should have been John Candy you said Clint Howard I don't think he's uh, related to the police at all I thought he was because he built that thing the the I guess you're right I guess you're right I thought he was just like a crazy weapon engineer because he later is like, here, I have the RV from hell and you can borrow it. Huh, I always just, I guess I just assumed it was um, with the police. He, he could be. Uh, so they go to like, they're like, we have to clear our names. So I guess we have to uh, figure out like the most damning piece of evidence and like get people to admit stuff. Right. And like, honestly, I'm a little surprised it wasn't more like Dora the Explorer style during the trial where it was like. The three most <laughs> damning pieces of evidence are right, right. The tape of the shooting, the weapons, ballistics results, and the eyewitness testimony. <laughs> yeah, uh, Stallone visits the FBI guy, and he almost gets blown away. Like the sound expert, right? 
No, that's Kurt Russell goes to the sound expert. Stallone goes to the FBI guy. He like goes into this guy's house and like oh, the guys there like drinking yeah, yeah, milk yeah, yeah, out yeah. of the carton and Stallone's like, oh, you shouldn't, you, you should use a glass kind of thing. And then You're they right. like have a, yeah. Um, and he gets him to admit that he faked the um, ballistics results. Was that what it was? Yeah. Well, no, it's that the gun, the they like fiddled with the guns. They switched the guns. Mm. So they planted the gun on, on uh, ca- uh, cash. Yes. Um, and then- and then he runs away from Stallone and gets blown up in a car bomb. Yeah. And Stallone almost gets blown up in it, but it's a really great car bomb. It's nice. And then he, uh, Kurt Russell goes to the sound expert uh, and he's like, got all this, all this nonsense science equipment. It's just basically the, like. It's a room full of speakers and engineering, audio engineering equipment. A lot of those like spinning uh, wheels with tape on them. <laughs> a reel-to-reel recorder. It looks pretty much like what it looks like when we record a podcast, obviously. Basically. Um, and he gets him to admit that he falsified the tape, um, by, by saying it to him and the guy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Kurt Russell's like, Oh, it's a shame. Your faulty equipment must be the problem. The guy's like, this equipment's perfect. He just starts shooting pieces of it. It's It's just like Stallone at the end of Rambo or first blood two or whatever the hell. Yes. Yes. Yeah. First blood part two. Um, then the guy immediately is like, no, 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 stop shooting my stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll tell the truth. I'll tell the truth. It gives him the real tape. There's a motorcycle. We get to another weird artsy also, performance I d- bar. I, I, yes, I do want to talk about that, but I do want to give props here to uh, Michael Jeter, who plays the sound guy, because he is like an all-time great sniveling wimp, and I really that name like sounds his so familiar. Um, he was in something else that I recognized. He's in Jurassic Park three as like one of the like money guys. I think that's the one with Tia Leone, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also in Sister Act 2, which you probably know him. Oh, from. you know he's, what? He's, yep, he, I know who he is in Sister Act 2. And he's a really great sniveler in Waterworld. Anyway, all-time great sniveler, if, I uh, just want to throw it out there. Michael Jeter. Um, But yes, the weird performance art bar where Terry Hatcher is a dancer. Before they got separated, uh, Stallone told Russell, like, hey, if we ever get separated and you want to get in contact with me, go to this bar and ask for, I don't, what was it, Peggy? I don't remember the name. Uh, his sister's name is it's like Kiki. Kiki. Oh, also Michael Jeter was in Money Pit, which we did on the show. Oh, I just okay. That. So there's like a motorcycle on stage. Yes. In this weirdo club. And it's crazy. Yeah, no, it's totally bizarre. He goes over. He's like asking for Kiki and then uh, goes into the, the dressing room of these performers to talk to her. Yeah, like, nobody cares at all that this dude just, like, waltzed into their dressing room. And I get, like, again, he's Kurt Russell. He looks like that. But still. I mean, I will say, as someone who performs in bars, there's no one guarding the door. No, I know. But, I, like, if some weird, like, if it was an all, I mean, it's not really necessarily the same. But if it was all male dressing room and, like, some woman randomly walked in, I think people would be like, yo. Fair. Or vice versa, anyway, of, like, yeah. Anyway. And they use the birdcage method of disguise to get Kurt Russell out of there. So the cop, cause he's like, Oh, the FBI is all up in here. Like you'll never escape. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so I wrote, this is a, cause I thought he was, I thought he was Patrick Swayze. I wrote, this is a precursor to Tu Wong Fu. Yeah. No, I can't. I, I am, like I said, I'm genuinely concerned for your well. I am too now. This whole movie, and you thought it was a different person <laughs> the whole time. Me too. So they go back to the apartment she shares with Stallone and 
uh, a wacky, misconstrued sex scene that's not a sex scene. Yeah, she's like massaging Kurt Russell and he keeps being like, oh yeah, get in there. Go lower. Yeah, do it like that. And Kurt and Stallone is like ready to murder them both, of course. Yeah. Somehow Patrick's... <sighs> it's because it's written in my notes that I'm, I said that. Uh, so he like tackles him and they like go outside or whatever. And somehow, uh, somehow Kurt Russell ends up back in the dress, even though he wasn't before. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Also, Stallone tackles his boss. Like he sees his boss coming in the back and like grabs That's a statue and like hucks it at him. And then they go like rolling around out there. Um, and also Terry Hatcher has her face on a canvas in her bedroom. Yes, it's pretty weird. But that's like, I feel like a common 80s trope of like people with a giant painting himself. Yeah. Also, you didn't mention that Kurt Russell gets hit on while dressed as a woman by another man. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. There's a bullet lock pick. A what now? A bullet lock pick. Like he like pulls out a bullet and like twists it and a little lock pick comes out. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I like this is, that's definitely not a stupid way to store a lock pick and won't accidentally get put into a gun ever. I also love the bit where, like, they're about to leave the house, and Sly and Kurt are there, and uh, uh, Kurt's like, oh, one more thing. Uh, Kiki, how about we go get dinner sometime? And she's like, I would love that. And then Stallone is, like, fuming about it for the rest of the movie. It's great. Uh, So they find the British guy who was the head of the, like, prison riot against them in the steam factory. And they get him up on the roof and put a hand grenade in his mouth. Yeah, it's a really gnarly, like, I think they call it bad cop, insane cop instead of good cop, bad cop. Yeah, because they trick him. It works because the whole time I was like, whoa, this is different than I thought this was going to turn out. Yes. Also, I remember reading in the research for this that the guy who plays this actor, this character, his name is Brian James. Uh, He's also in like The Fifth Element and 48 Hours and a bunch of other stuff. But he... uh, (laughs) Oh, also Blade Runner, which is probably the biggest one. Yeah. But he, he like did the Cockney accent thing on like a whim and everybody involved in the movie was like, yes, I love it. You're getting a bigger part. Oh, yeah, they and they wrote him more lines. His part much bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man. It is like a Cockney accent, the level of the one that you and I do, it's, which is like passable at word at best. Yeah. It's a few shades above uh, Bert in Mary Poppins. Yes, exactly. So he reveals. They also, they also, before they do the grenade, I like this interrogation sequence because it's like they're like beating him up a little bit, nothing's working. So, like, I got it. And they dangle him over the roof, like Suge Knight, like each have an ankle, and he's like stories and stories up. And he's like, go ahead and drop me, you wankers. This is a great, my back feels amazing. This is so good. And they're like, "Ah, all right, fine. And then they tie him up and do the grenade thing, at which point he's like, oh, these people are real. Yeah. Uh, so he reveals the location of the base or whatever, uh, and they he the one the weapons guy says it, they, he's giving them an RV, but it's really just a van. Uh, yes, um, but I wanted to also mention. I'm sorry, you keep going like one step ahead of me. Uh, after they get the results from the guy with the grenade, they go to high five and they stop like four inches short. And Stallone's like, "No, because you're gonna try to date my sister," which I really like. Yeah. Also, when they do go to see uh, Dollar Store Q, uh, Michael J. Pollard, um, he, he sh- tells them all the like features this this van has, and they're all like, "Yeah, great, great, great. We're definitely not going to smash it up at all. It's going to be fine." He's like, "Wait, what was that last thing?" And they're like, "Oh no, nothing. We'll we'll see you later. Goodbye." He's like, "This is the prototype. Like, I need it. I need this intact to make more of these and make them better." Right. Uh, also, Michael J. Pollard. Uh, I, I thought this was a cool bit of trivia. Um, 
Michael J. Fox has the M in his name or the J in his name because of this guy. And really? uh, Michael J. Pollard, 80 years old, still acting. Really? Yeah. Huh. They examine the enemy from afar, like with binoculars kind of deal. And they're about to like go in there. And, and Stallone is like, hey, just before we go in there, I got something I got to say. You're the best cop I ever worked with. And, so, and Kurt Russell looks like legitimately touched for a second. He's like, yeah, I got to tell you something, too. Uh, if you die, I'm still going to date your sister. <laughs> it's so it's great. It's so good. It's so good. Um, so they like drive this like gunned out van through this compound. It's like it's like, it's like the A-Team van crossed with Kit from Knight Rider, but it has just like guns on guns on guns. It's like something out of the video game Twisted Metal. Yes. Yes. Thank you. That's what I needed. And the onboard computer is Owen. Yes. And it has video chat. Yes, it's very convenient. Except when it later the guy they're like the guy's like, "What's going on over there?" Hey, I can't see or hear anything. It was like, "Well, that's awful convenient." As they destroy your thing, um, I didn't like that they were out of gas within like twenty five seconds. I it needed to be a joke of like, "I thought you were gonna do it. I thought you were gonna do it." If you're gonna do that thing, or if like he, or if he's like, "Hey, it's a prototype. It's got terrible gas mileage." Yeah, there should have been a better explanation. I agree with you. We get there also is just a billion bad guys at this factory. Yeah. It's like, where did you acquire this many henchmen? It's this like is, Austin Powers this, level. This is a Foot Clan, Ninja Turtle, yes. G.I. Joe level number. The putties from Mighty Morphin Power. Like, this is a comical cartoon number of henchmen. Uh, we get some great magic movie one kick knockouts. Yes. But also, the thing that I always wonder, like... With, like, the putties and the foot soldiers and all that stuff, like, they're kind of faceless, so, like, you could write it off as maybe they're not humans, maybe they're robots or something, but I always laugh in thinking of it, like, like a movie like this, where it's like, what's the job interview like? Jack Palance is like, I see you're a low-level cocaine dealer, but how would you like to die for me you instead? You think he's doing those interviews himself? He's a hands-on boss. I think he is. I think he's a guy that like needs to know at every level of operation that people are like trustworthy. Fair. Um, but I'm just imagining like like you go from like low level petty crime guy to you get recruited into this gang, and then it's like here's your machine gun. These two Rambo cops are coming. It's like none of them were just like, no, I'm leaving. I'm like, done. Bye. Yeah, there's other cities with crime. Well, it's like that bit we did uh, this summer. We were watching Jurassic World whatever this last one was called yeah, yeah about yeah. the how they jump into a car or do a truck yes. and it was like no one was like hey no no i have this job but someone <laughs> yeah. seems to have taken my truck yes yeah <laughs> or the part where they jump a truck into the back of a boat that presumably everyone is standing on watching this carnage happen and nobody notices the truck leap onto the thing. Well, I think it's because the, we're watching the di- they're focusing on the dinosaurs dying in a fire. Yeah, but still, you'd be like, "Whoa, I almost sad. got killed by a truck." Yes. Uh at this point I checked the clock and I was like, "There's only 13 minutes left?" Yes, this movie goes so fast. And then fast, I was like, I "Oh, cuz there's a bomb. That's why." Yes. Yes. Uh, so yeah, there's like, they just, uh, well, then, so as they're murdering all these people, there's these two, like, comically large construction equipment vehicles. They look like monster trucks and they like come on either side of the van and squish it. And then Russell, Kurt Russell and Sly are like, 
all right, you take the left, I'll take the right. And they just like climb into these things and kill the drivers. Yeah. And then they're driving those vehicles instead. Why it's not? very G.I. Joe. Oh, it's super G.I. Joe. And then we find out that uh, Terry Hatcher got kidnapped. Right. And we didn't even have the like, like they didn't even give her the good grace to be kidnapped on screen. No, no, that was that would have taken up the valuable time that we could we had to spend shooting people and making more dick jokes. So they shoot him because I was like, we we don't have time to dick around. Like he, we have ten. Oh, wait, minutes wait, wait, left. wait, 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 wait. Don't you're you're skipping so many fun action ports. First, they both smash into the warehouse full of guns and manage to smash their large toy vehicles into one another. Yes. Which is great. And the dump truck little lifty clangy panels hitting each other. And then Kurt takes a bullet for Stallone. That's right. How did you gloss over this? It's like a huge character moment. Because isn't he wearing a thing? Yes, but he still jumps in front of a bullet. He saves his life. Okay. It pays off later. Um, But also he gets shot even through a vest or it's like, uh, no, he gets, he says it's clean through. It went through his like armpit shoulder area. Mm. And then he's just no worse for wear. Like it doesn't even hurt him. Oh, he, he does. just no, like, you, ah, man, you shot me. All right. Let's one keep throwaway going. line. Yes. Like a, he might as well have just like put a bandaid on it and been like, I'm fine. Yes. But then the ponytail guy comes back with the grenade and he does the same grenade bit. Mm-hmm. He puts it on Terry Hatcher and then Kurt, when he like falls over, shoots him dick first with his boot gun. A dick explosion. Yes, a literal dick explosion. So now we have Jack Palance with Terry Hatcher. I'm so sorry. I just there were some bits there that I wanted to cover. There's some really fun parts of this movie I felt I like. apparently didn't take his great notes towards the end here. <laughs> I've got your sister, Kiki. Now she's my private dancer. Dancer for money. I wrote, glad they explained how they knew what to shout. <laughs> Shoot. They're, Jack Palance is standing in like a hall of mirrors for some reason. That thing, he has Shoot. This thing. It's like, I know you can see me, but which one am I? And then they both shoot at the same instance. And the one is like, I saw his watch and the time was backwards and the other one like reads a label differently or so. I was like, I, he was left-handed now he's right-handed or something, but they both independently came to the same conclusion through different means. It's like, no, they're both equally smart mm -hmm. in different ways. So that now they're running from this building because it's about to explode. And then they finally high five one another. Freeze frame. And the building explodes. And then freeze frame newspaper, Tango and Gash heroes again. <laughs> cause literal millions of dollars in damage to private criminal enterprise. Also, did you notice uh, next to like Tango and Cash Heroes Again, the the headline of the uh, article to next next to it was ask not what the critics say. I didn't catch that, but that's great. I thought that was a nice little bit of nonsense. So that's it. That's the end of Tango and Cash. They freeze frame high five newspaper. Uh, what are your final thoughts? It's a fun movie. It's perfectly fun. I'm so glad to know that you like this because I was watching it the whole time. I was like, man, he's going to hate this. And it's going to be one of those antagonistic podcasts where I'm like, no, it's so good. What are you saying? This is perfect. No, I definitely I, it's not like my favorite. Like, I'm not going to clamor to watch it again, but I enjoyed it a lot. And I if, if someone was like if it was on at a party, I'm not yeah. going to walk out of the room. It baffles me that, the, like, I know it didn't get good reviews and didn't make a lot of money back then, so that is the answer. But it just strikes me as one of those movies that probably would have been inexpensive and should have been on cable constantly and be my favorite movie because of that. Yeah. It's got, like, real, like, it's... Or some kind of reboot. 
Yeah, I'm well. Apparently, a sequel has long been in the works, which you know would be a hoot, I guess. But yeah, it's like it seems like such prime fodder for a reboot. Like, although I don't think this has that much cachet, but um, yeah, I just think this is so good. Like Kurt Russell, I always love, frankly, but I really like here. Like this is kind of peak Kurt Russell to me. Like very charming, kicking out one-liners. Stallone does something different, and it's not like a level but it's good like his performance is like we, we clown Sylvester Sloan in this podcast a lot but this is so much more entertaining than Rambo yes like, so oh much more entertaining like it's fun it's really fun to watch it has a little bit of silliness but not too much a little bit of seriousness but not too much Jack Palance Palance, Palance I've probably been saying it wrong the whole time is just like chewing the scenery as this bad guy and it's delightful yeah he he is a delight to watch in this movie yeah Terry Hatcher gets nothing to do, which is a bummer, but that's like my only real criticism of this movie is like, it's extremely duty. Yeah. It's very, it's dude. It's a sausage fest. Yeah. Which is like, that's okay. Like that's allowed. Not every movie has to be everything for all people. Yeah. I just, I was like watching this movie, getting more and more delighted as it went along and like, man, why is this the movie? No one talks about like this movie should have had four sequels. Like lethal weapon got like, this is so much that great nonsense explosion fighting movie. Yeah. Probably because Lee the Weapon was first. Um, but yeah, it's a really, I, I really recommend this highly. I forget, uh, is it on Tubi right now? It's on some... I think it was on Tubi. I think. Okay. I'm trying to remember where, or maybe it was one of the, it sh- was streaming on one of the services when we recorded because we both got to watch it very easily, which is kind of rare for us. Oh, it's on Stars. Okay. Okay. So if you have that, uh, or if your parents have a login for it that you're able to access, more power to you. Um we will let you know what's next in just a minute, but uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. Before we tell you the show, there's just one important thing. Why don't you have a seat in this chair right here? Yeah, sit down. Sit. We got something to tell you, and it's really important, and you got to pay attention. We just, it's a simple request. I think, I think Trip might be getting a little heated, but it is a very easy, simple request. Well, that's why I'm mad, because it's that easy, and they're being lazy, Andrew. This this person in this chair right here is being lazy and not doing the thing. I think that's a bit aggressive. I think lazy is a bit of a harsh word. They might not know where to go to do it. You just go to iTunes. You just click on the, you're already in there on your podcast. I just click, review the show. That's all I gotta do, review the show. And uh, well, well, what might happen to them if they do that? They'll only read them on the air. That seems like a pretty good re- deal to me. Yeah. Stop being such a lazy bones and review the show on iTunes or wherever. But if somewhere else, send us a screenshot because I don't know where that is. I can't check everything. Uh, and if you want more information from us, uh, don't forget to check out dissectthe80s.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter at dissectthe80s. Go out. Give us that review. Go check out those things. Find the show, and uh, most importantly, visit the Patreon, because you're getting a bonus episode this month on another action classic. That's right. John McClane comes to Dissecting the 80s. We're doing the original Die Hard on Patreon this month. So if you want to hear that, that is an in-studio episode, recorded in the studio, talking Die Hard. Cannot wait for you all to hear that. One of my favorite movies of all time. The sassy sister filmed a working girl. Can't wait to share that with you. Get over there to patreon.com slash dissecting80s, sign up at the $5 tier or higher, and you get Die Hard, as well as a bunch of other episodes if you haven't yet. And I think we're only like three people away, maybe, from hitting the level of getting a uh, bonus commentary track for everybody. So go check that out and uh, get yourself some bonus episodes. Yeah, we're real close. 
So uh, we will be back on December 16th with our Christmas episode, uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving episodes very early this year for timing reasons. But uh, another two Christmas movies this year, you get Patreon, you get the Die Hard, and on the regular feed, you get Christmas Vacation. We're hanging out with the Griswolds. So uh, look forward to that uh, on December 16th. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until December 16th. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a Chum Some of This production. Ow!